Here at Kajabi, we are known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. everyone and welcome to the online business edge podcast where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on kajabi i'm your host jared loman vice president of customer experience and today we're joined by nastasia rose founder and ceo of vive how's it going today nastasia i am doing great thank you so much how are you jared i am doing wonderful for a friday excited to have you on to chat uh, more about your business, how you got started, um, and to share some of the successes that you've experienced over the years. So let's just get the ball rolling. Get, give us your elevator pitch, if you will, on uh, who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So I love storytelling. So my elevator pitch is my mother, proudly. I started Vive because of my mom. She was diagnosed bipolar when I was 14. I went through a lot of trauma between the ages of 4 to 14, and I just didn't understand why. Once my mom was diagnosed bipolar at 14 years old, it all made sense. My mom was obviously not 14, <laughs> but I was. So, you know, once she was diagnosed, it, it all made sense. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had a service that could exist? where my mom could still thrive and succeed regardless of her circumstances, where she could be able to make it and learn how to live with her disorder and still make it as a preacher and lawyer. My father could still thrive as a filmmaker without having to deal with the custody battle. And I could be able to thrive in my music and whatever else I wanted to do with my life without having to um, suffer from depression. So I was able to thrive off of doing research off of a few years and by 2010, I founded Five, which is a vision to inspire the best person of, of energy. And we now help entrepreneurs and celebrities be able to excel in their visions in life while keeping their energy and mental health first. So we created a private practice from that experience where we can help people still be able to succeed while staying mentally sane. I love it. Well, 2010, that is, uh, it's crazy to say, but um, we're over a decade past that, which means you've been doing this for a long time. Um, can you take us back to where you got started um, and just give us an idea of what that was like launching an agency and maybe was that your first business? Did you do anything else prior to that? Can you take us on just the how you got started? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other entrepreneurs who could say that they had a bunch of failures, but this was the only one for me. Um, 
you know, this was the only one that I stood consistent with that I felt to not give up with. And I started it in my living room in the Bronx in New York. And I literally (laughs) took all of my living room furniture, sold it. And uh, no, actually, I moved my living room furniture to my bedroom. I sold my bedroom furniture and I had just office furniture in my living room. And that's where my clients were coming to. And it was hilarious because my first clients were actually B and C actors coming off of sitcoms and, um, you know, lower feature films. And they came off of (laughs) the four train to take sessions with me. So in, in my very living room. So that was how I started. Um, I kicked it off with my 401k from my latest corporate job. I was working for Fox television stations and I pulled out my 401k and I started it off there, but that was my start. I didn't know anything about capital or credit or anything like that. So I pulled out my 401k from corporate and I said, this is what's going to kick me off. And I started that way in the Bronx. Let's talk a little bit about your first customer and first offer. What did you take to market and how did you find that first buyer? So my very first offer was addiction coaching. So I couldn't legally practice counseling or therapy, obviously, because I didn't have the credentials, but I wanted to help people still regardless. So coaching was the alternate route. So I started with health coaching and led into um, a mixture of health and addiction coaching where I could be able to help the people I knew in the film industry from cast and crew be able to excel in overcoming sex, drug, and alcohol addictions. That was really my first starting point. And people knew me for a while for being able to hold a decent role in fitness, but really that was... One of my favorite roles was being able to help with addiction recovery because clinical is one of our most strongest suits within our practice. So we started off in being able to help with BNC actors overcome their addiction issues. And we started from there and we were able to extend from there to mixing consulting and clinical to help our clients. So it sounds like you you started off by reaching out to just almost your immediate surroundings. You you had a job in in at Fox Studios it was. Yeah, I started with what I knew. I didn't I obviously didn't have any money <laughs> to invest in ads and I didn't even want to risk it, right? Because in New York, it's heavily expensive. So (laughs) you're not trying to start off with, you know, paying off two grand and run and not even knowing how to keep a client. So um, I started with what I knew. I started with the connections I had. My dad has been in filmmaking for my entire life. So there were people who knew of me because I was his daughter. And I took them on as clients. And they'll forever stay secretive because their results are just amazing. And that was one of the things I promised them under HIPAA. But, um, you know, from there I was able to excel to help people more, but it was really just with the starts that I knew from people who knew of me because of my dad. What was it like, uh, getting that first customer? Uh, I, I, I know this is this is a long time ago for you, but the just the the feeling of putting an offer in the market is enough to at least me drive a little bit of anxiety. How did you overcome that initial hurdle of just putting yourself out there and putting that offer in front of that first person? Yeah, so it was definitely a lot of anxiety because I didn't want to mess up my father's 
reputation. And this is honestly, I'm, I'm not going to kid you here. This is the most rare and raw interview that you could get from me on this because I've never shared this with anyone, but it's, it's been a very big, um, it, it was, it was a very big, scary move to be able to, you know, build clients from people who knew me because of my dad, but I knew that these people needed help. So, and, and it was also very tricky because I couldn't just go and run and tell my dad, like, Hey, this person came to me because of HIPAA, um, and because of confidentiality and, and confidentiality clauses. But you know, I knew that they needed the help that they needed and I took on the job. And because of that, I learned what it could take to make things better. I'm going to be a thousand percent honest though, with taking those first clients. I think it's more of the truth that when you take on your first client, you realize how much belief you don't have within yourself, where you realize how much work you need to do within you in order to be good for the next client to come. I think that was my biggest breakthrough aside from the fact that I was able to help these people. So, you know, that was a, that was a multi-mix. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why it took 10 years, over 10 years to get to where we are today. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think every every overnight success story, we've said this several times on the podcast, but every overnight success story usually is preceded by a decade of, of effort and attempt and growth that ultimately leads to the success that you ultimately achieve. So I think that's a really great um, uh, a great point that you, you articulated there about how much you learn about yourself um, and what is necessary for you to uh, become in order to actually have a, a an offer that reaches a market. So maybe you could share. Um, I know you're already getting the the raw rawest interview, but like share a little bit more about what that meant to you. Like what did you identify and like how did you grow? Um, and how, how did you take it to that next step? Yeah, like I think the most important part is it's not about the cloud; it's about the service. So I say that because a couple of the people who we did work with. They're huge now. Like literally everybody knows them. <laughs> and because of HIPAA, we cannot reveal them. And yet it was the most liberating experience I could have ever felt because it taught me what we need to provide for our clients moving forward. So I feel like if you're going to do this, if you're going to really care for how you serve people, especially in the unique fields that you may choose to be in, you have to accept that it has nothing to deal with clout. It has everything to deal with service and how well you serve people. And you just have to be willing to accept that the bigger the level is of who you serve. The more you're able to understand that, the better of a level of success I feel you can become where you can develop over time. Let's talk about the numbers a little bit. You mentioned, uh, I, I don't know if you cashed in your 401k or really what it what it took to set you up, but... Uh, how long did it take for you to get to go from starting with your first customer to actually sustaining some form of a regular income to support your needs at that time? Yeah. And I love talking about numbers because it's just something so realistic for entrepreneurship. I'm just very cautious on how I expose it because people can misconstrue it. But when you have the right perception in mind, it can go far. When it comes to income... I had nothing <laughs> like honestly, within the first 10 years of running our practice, it was in the pandemic that it literally saved us because I felt that we were, which is not even just, I felt it was literally what the numbers showed. 
I was able to close near six figure contracts. It was always between the range of $50,000 to $100,000 contracts for corporations, small companies when it came to what we do. But the ability to keep them consistent and even importantly, even more importantly, to be able to keep clients that we were proud of, it was a very tough job. And it was just because we were running for the money. So I feel like once the pandemic hit, it really opened people's minds when it came to clinical matters. And when it came to the importance of co-occurring disorders, when it comes to running in entrepreneurship and succeeding, the mental battles that could come with it, And people got more open-minded to where they said, okay, maybe we should kind of respect the journey that mental health really lies on. And we were able to build a better reputation with that. So after that, you know, first step of, okay, we all have to lock in and close our doors and stay inside. I got extremely passionate on learning what it needed to take to create a premium service and serve it well. And because of that passion and my heart in wanting to deliver that type of an offer, we were able to develop an entire offer suite where we were able to have clients coming back and new clients coming in who were willing to pay up to six figures gladly, regardless of the pandemic for everything that we have to offer. Now, not everyone is willing to do via Kajabi, some are, you know, via wire transfer, some are via um, Stripe. But excitingly, with um, Kajabi's evolution now, we're converting everyone into Kajabi where we can just track there. And, you know, I'll leave Kajabi up to that to reveal their goodness. But um, I feel like because of how Kajabi is evolving, we can evolve with them where we can also hold a safe space for our not so famous people and great famous people. So I feel like the pandemic really saved us at the end of the day when it came to how we choose to evolve for our clients and showing them the importance of mixing consulting and clinical work to make a true impact in how we ignite our visions while keeping our energy and mental health first. Let's talk a little bit about that that decade that you spent moving forward, even though you hadn't necessarily seen, you know, the success that maybe you expected jumping into this. What were what were the maybe the specific challenges that you encountered, and what are some ways that you overcame those challenges? Uh, such that you ultimately stuck with this and kept pursuing this through to the point where you finally began to see that success. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the biggest challenge was the lack of clarity in our messaging and how we serve people. And Donald Miller talks about this. Like we're not going to front. We It's literally one of the books in our packages for being a Kajabi hero and winning our milestones, right? Like he explains it so perfectly. The ability to make a customer a hero is everything. And the ability to show how our product is the solution stands out even more. So it was really tough for me to make this known in the first 10 years because I didn't even know a thousand percent how to navigate this. I knew what we were here to create. I knew that consulting and clinical was always the mix, but I didn't know how to execute it. And with 13 years now being in the game, we founded it in 2010 and now we're in 2023. It's, it's making so much more sense. And it obviously shows because I'm not even running ads right now and we still have clients coming in organically and it's just such a great blessing. But I really feel like what helped to beat that challenge of clients coming in was 
being clear in our story, being clear on why the heck we're even doing this. I had to actually get brave with the fact of what I went through with my mother. I was very ashamed of it. And the fact that I couldn't reveal it, I feel detrimented our progress in our success. So now that I've researched over time, a healthier way to execute my mother's story, I feel like that definitely helped where I still give ref- give true respect and reflect to her journey. But I'm also able to openly share that that's the reason why we do what we do today. And I feel like it makes more sense now for the people who enroll. Yeah, getting clear on your messaging, such a, such a crucial element to not only getting the ball rolling, but a sustaining a business. Uh, I'm interested in, you You mentioned you, you didn't have a, a pile of failures that were stacked up that, that ultimately led to where you're at today. But I imagine that there was probably a few pivots and lessons that you learned um, that ultimately led to the maturity of where your business is at now. So can you maybe take us on that journey and share a little bit of how you've had to maybe pivot throughout the different learnings that you've experienced uh, throughout your growth? Yeah, no, I feel it was a mixture of failures and pivots. I feel one of my biggest failures that I had hit in the past 13 years was with team development. And I had invested in mentors consecutively in order to try to help me navigate this. And finally, I had hit efficient enough breakthroughs to where I was able to really up-level with how I develop my team. And I'm really proud of the team I have today. So I feel like when it comes to failure, the biggest failure is when it came to my team and the development of it. And that had everything to do with my clarity and my messaging. Once I really got clear with my messaging, I was able to develop my team well because I knew what to delegate them to do because of the clarity and messaging first. Um, and then when it came to everything else, I feel like in regards to service, it had everything to do with the next steps after that. So, you know, you can't serve your clients well until you are a thousand percent clear in what you actually do and who you do it for. And it's so like draining because, you know, we hear consistently, you know, find your avatar, find out your ideal client, find out who you're here to serve. But it's so freaking true because if you don't know who you're delivering to, then there's no way in hell you can expect a sale. So, you know, it's just, it's really about knowing what problem you solve and then finding the people who are aligned for that solution. And you can really excel from there. I feel like once you get extremely clear on that, you can go very far. And that was, you know, where we needed to get clear for what we do. Take us through a little bit about a little bit more on where you're at today after the pandemic hit and after you began to see some of that success start rolling in. uh, What was the next phase of your business? Did that involve more one on one coaching? Did that involve digitization of some of your products? Uh, What what did you do um, when you started seeing that momentum? I think the I think the pandemic brought up all of the challenges. So it brought up the clarity and the messaging and the team development and the clarity in the offer suite and how we're developing that offer suite and how we're developing great client experience. I was always known for my entire years of existence and running the practice since 2010 in providing great client experience. But there's so many components outside of that in order to keep that running as you scale. So those were the areas where I was challenged afterwards. And I feel like that was everywhere where I got challenged moving forward. And 
the way that I feel I conquered that, and that's kind of hypocritical when you really think of it, because you never really conquer. (laughs) And this is just my personal opinion. Anyone can, you know, listening to this can feel free to disagree, but you never really conquer anything when it comes to entrepreneurship, because it's forever freaking evolving, right? Like you are always going to dare to get better. There's always something that you're going to dare to evolve from. There's always a different type of methodology or strategy or agile service, as we've talked about off of podcasts, right? That you're, you're always going to be passionate about serving your clients better with. So I can't really be honest in saying that I've conquered anything. I can say that I've been daring to learn to be a lifelong student because Having grown to a staff of 30 plus and then downsizing to 13. And now I can say that we're probably going to be at about 15 consistently for a decent amount of time. It takes a lot of humility to make that happen. It takes a lot of learning lessons. It takes a lot of love and love has to conquer all in that journey. Because if you assume anything different, it can get extremely ugly. And I feel like when it comes to this type of development, you have to understand that with the challenges that come with entrepreneurship, if love doesn't conquer all, you may not be able to sustain. So that's my biggest level of how to excel. And it may sound corny and childish for anybody listening, but it is so freaking true. Like, look at the world we live in today. (laughs) It's so wild. So, you know, love truly does conquer all. We just have to be brave enough to stand with it, um, with that truth. And I feel like that definitely stands within entrepreneurship. So I feel like the biggest levels of how I've been able to accomplish with the challenges that have come with developing my team to scaling our offer suite to seeing our sales be able to scale from barely anything to, Hey, we may actually have a shot of hitting consistent seven figures next year. You know, it, it really is the ability of being able to witness all of the metrics and saying, you know what? Love conquered all here. And it's why we're passionate about the systems we build so that we can support our clients who come in and be able to serve them well. So I don't know if that all makes sense, but I hope it does. Well, you're so right. There is, we often think, especially for those who aren't, and maybe they haven't started a business or they are, you know, maybe very early in that process, we always think of this hypothetical there, which is this place that we're going to get to and we're suddenly going to be at the top of the mountain. But the reality of it is, is that's just not how it works. You know, there is never a point in which you suddenly realize that you've hit the you know, you've hit the jackpot and the game is now over. It's a constant evolution of both of an evolving business, evolving yourself growing and learning. So what I'm interested uh, to hear from you is how did you how did you identify some of those moments of success? How did you celebrate the wins along that journey? Because I imagine there are many and just because you you maybe you don't really really conquer, as you said, like, how did you how did you hone in on some of those moments that really were pivotal for your success? It's a mixture of remembering who we look up to, as well as remembering when to pause from the sprints that we're on in our, you know, agile project management or agile client service and being able to celebrate our wins. So for example, the ways that I consistently see Kajabi give great client service, it amazes me. And it's why I stand up for them, even with my own team. 
Um, you know, I didn't even see this interview going where I praised Pajabi a little bit, but, um, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, I had witnessed some things with my team and I saw my team was frustrated and the way that I had seen things be cleaned up with the way I was able to advocate for Kajabi, they were able to just sit tight and see how things went a couple of weeks later. And they were like, okay, we can hang tight. We can support the Kajabi vision. So I feel like with the mixture of who we look up to versus the mixture of the advocacy we do in order to create change in our own vision, that combination can make such a great change. And we have to come from a space where we're not putting people down, but we're lifting people up. And I say this because when people see an area where there needs to be improvement, they will easily jump into putting people down, excuse me, putting people down versus saying, Hey, listen, this is what I see. How can we improve it? How can we make it great for the service that we're meant to exist for? Like that is what we're here to exist for because our way, our individual way, our personal way is not the only way. You know, if someone else has a greater way, let them bring it in so that we can all thrive together, right? Like that's one of, that's what one of my mentors teaches me. So, you know, we're here to really thrive successfully where we can be able to all thrive together. And it takes a mixture of what we are witnessing from what inspires us to be great, as well as what we are doing that can even possibly inspire those people to be great, even when we don't know we're inspiring them. So the mixture of the both can really be great in order to accomplish all of our challenges together to be a great service to others. Such an important uh, part of entrepreneurship. And I think something that also uh, my slightly biased perspective here uh, with Kajabi is that I think community is such an important element um, because entrepreneurship can be a very lonely journey. There's no playbook for doing, you know, just exactly what you're doing. For example, in the same way there maybe is a college textbook to, you know, become a plumber or, you know, any other any other job that's very straightforward. There is no equivalent to that for entrepreneurship. And that that connectivity and that that community that comes from supporting each other is so crucial to so many of our success. So I love that you called that out. Yeah, like I, um, I, I'm sorry, before you ask this question, I pray that you forgive me for revealing this. But no, please what, do. What I love about Kajabi too is even when we release something, as long as we're in a decent tone and we're in a way where we truly care for being the great service for our own communities, one of the best things that I love about Kajabi is that there's always someone there. And that is very rare within community. So, you know, whatever we're experiencing, for example, whether it's in the Facebook group or whether it's in a better group or whether it's in an actual group or whether it's in Kajabi support, um, there's always someone there. And I think that's one of the biggest, most important things within community is that there should always be someone watching. And that is extremely important. If you're not creating a community like that, then what are you doing? Um, I really feel like that is extremely important, especially in the world we live in today, because there's nothing better than feeling seen. And when you can create a community where you feel seen, you have a legacy community. I love that. I love that. Well, take us uh, through any advice tips that you have to share with someone who's maybe just starting out on the entrepreneurial journey 
what would you suggest for them to do if they're exploring this, uh, you know, this adventure or maybe they're already started, but just very early on in that process? I would encourage you to not compare yourself to the entrepreneurs who you see on the internet. It can get very misleading because literally every single story that you've ever found on social media, I promise you, they've gone up to 20 years in a discovery journey to get to that point. So, and they're just not revealing it on social media. So it's, and it's literally like an average of up to 20 years. So because of that, do not compare yourself to social media, whatever you freaking do, <laughs> because it really takes up to 20 years to discover yourself in how you are meant to exist within entrepreneurship. Really take on the bull by the horns here to really accentuate yourself where you can see where you are meant to exist, see where you are meant to serve. Do not be afraid to take chances. Do not be afraid to take shots at getting to know a client or building a pilot client at a pilot offer before you scale up to the offer price that you know you deserve. You know, I am a huge believer in scaling you are here to discover yourself and discover how you are here to serve others. Let that be what really runs because there's a reason why we're all jumping into entrepreneurship. It's because it is the new wave. You know, there's corporate and there's entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship is winning in a lot of cases because of the abilities and benefits that come with it. So if you really want to run with that success, Make sure that you are here to stay for it by knowing what you exist for and how you are meant to serve in that realm and do a great freaking job at it. Don't just do it because it's cool. Do it because you know that it's here to serve a huge problem in the world that's meant to be solved. That segues so well into the question that I I always start to kind of conclude the conversation with, and that's what's changed for you uh, as a result of you taking this entrepreneurial leap um, and journey for your career. My passion for not just doing what's cool, but doing what's meant to serve. (laughs) Like I feel I'm I'm a very huge believer that we all have our own lane. You know, like we we are all here to serve in our own lane. And for entrepreneurship, we call that a niche or a niche, however people choose to pronounce it. You know, discover what you want. But at the end of the day, your purpose has a specific. Like we are multi-passionate at the end of the day. We have things we do for a hobby. We have things we do for fun. We have things we do for money. When it comes to what you do for money, discover what that lane is and be extremely passionate to be so freaking great at it. I think that's really the thing. Since 14 years old, I always had the vision that Vibe was meant to exist for consulting and clinical work ever since I was 14 years old. And the reason, the biggest reason, and I say this to everybody, and I've been saying this so frequently lately, like so, so frequently lately, the reason why it's taken me so long to get to this point is because I doubted myself for so long. Honestly, whatever that first vision is, run with it, see if it sticks. If it doesn't, figure out how to revise it and move it from there. If I had believed in myself from the very beginning... It wouldn't have taken this long to get here. It literally ran full circle to where we got back to consulting and clinical after the past 13 years of our run. And I'm so excited. But 
Also, um, you know, argumentatively, if it had happened back then, I wouldn't have appreciated it in the ways I appreciate it now, which is why I'm also working on forgiving myself that it took this long because I value it now. I value how we serve people in both consulting and clinical work for entrepreneurs and creatives and celebrities because I wouldn't have valued them as well back then. So try not to beat yourself up, but do your best to believe in yourself so that you are passionate to get great in your craft so that you can discover what your lane is and you can be able to be wonderful in what you're here to exist for. And I feel like if you do all those things, you can really be able to thrive in all the ways that you desire to in the ways that we are now. I love that. It reminds me of the the Jim Rohn quote when he talks about uh, the the benefit of becoming a millionaire is it's not really the money, but it's the person that you have to become in order to achieve that level of success. And that really just reflects that so well. Um, tell us uh, what's next. What do you have on the horizon that any of our listeners who maybe are interested in learning more about Vive, um, what's coming up? Um, and like, what can we get them excited about? Yeah. So we're really excelling our, our offer suite. We have our intro offer where if you've never experienced this before and you want to experience us, we've been able, we've been able to create a community because of Kachabi and it's called the Vive Lounge exclusive community. So we'll go ahead and share the link, excuse me, with Kajabi, where if you're interested, you can be able to see how to join us there. And it's our intro offer to be able to get the best guidance to ignite your vision while keeping your energy and mental health first. We're a big believer in mixing professional and professional, um, professional and personal, sorry, in a way where you can be able to thrive in great ways in keeping your sanity while you make your vision a reality. And our higher tier services are enrolling throughout the rest of the year. We have only one opportunity left for a VIP one-on-one spot. I only take on three at a time. After that, there's a wait list and we're now down to one. For our group offers, our Rock the Breakthrough Mentorship has 19 spots left. So we'll provide all these links for you guys. Um, our Rock the Breakthrough Mentorship is a really great opportunity where you can be able to inject either six-figure launches or 10K plus consistent months inside of your vision while keeping your energy and mental health first. So We'll include all these links for Kajabi so that you can be able to um, apply or enroll and really see your vision thrive where you can keep your sanity while you're making a difference in the world. I love it. We'll definitely have those links in the show notes. Uh, and for anyone who's maybe just interested in checking you out, learning a little bit more, do you have any uh, social profiles, website that we'd like to send them as well? Yeah. So Instagram, my personal is Nastasia Rose and professional for business. You have Y5 and Y5 lounge. So we'll go ahead and share that with the Kajabi team and you can go ahead and follow us, especially with, um, all the good great announcements to come. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nastasia, for taking the time out of your day to share more of your journey. Um, what an incredibly inspiring start or maybe inspiring end based upon what an incredible journey that must have been to start from. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's such an honor to be here. And I pray that this this serves whoever is meant to serve. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is all we have for our listeners today. Thank you all for taking the time to tune in. We will look forward to seeing you next week on the Online Business Edge podcast.